and felt something pop. And from there, it's like my head was hurting a lot. And me being very stubborn and dumb, I decided to ignore it. And while, while I was still in the crouch position, I couldn't get up. And I thought, that's really weird. Like, usually I'm able to get up. My left arm couldn't move. And my left leg wasn't working either. And my niece came in. She was six years old at the time. She came in my room. And I heard her saying, what's wrong with Kuku? That's my nickname for my nieces. So she called her mom and my sister ran out and she saw me on the floor. My sister is um, a nurse. So when she saw me, she was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you on the floor? I was able to respond to her. I was like, I'm stuck. I can't move. And I was kind of slurring at the time. And she said, oh, no, you had a stroke. It was January 23rd that I was sent to the hospital. And then January 26th, I woke up in a different hospital. I wasn't like, I was very confused with everything. Like waking up and like seeing that you're in the hospital. And then I saw like, I was touching my head too. And the nurses came and screaming, no, don't touch your head. I was like, why? And I felt like there was sutures all over my head. I was able to talk. I was able to remember a lot of things about my past, about my past life. I remembered people's faces, their voices, their personality. I was able to remember a lot of things. Like I didn't lose my memory. I didn't lose my speech. So during my recovery, they gave me speech therapy, physical therapy, and occupational therapy. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. A recent worldwide study found that stroke was more common among men, but severe illness because of stroke was more common among women. The average age of the first-time male stroke sufferer across the globe was 68, for women just over 72. In this episode, we hear from Nicolette Rodriguez from New York, who suffered a stroke at the age of 28. Before my stroke, I was actually finishing up school. I was doing EKG tech at a community college here. This was in October 2020. And thankfully, I was able to complete my course in November. So I got my certificate, my diploma. But unfortunately, in January, that's when the stroke came out of nowhere. The way it started was it happened at night. I just, I wasn't aware of anything. Like I, I didn't experience any symptoms or like warning signs. All I know was that I was cleaning up my room. I guess I overexert myself that I felt so tired and I felt extremely hot. And I decided to like crouch down, wiping the floors. And from there, I just felt like really hot, like heated. And on the right side of my head, where my temple is, I, I heard and felt something pop. And from there, it's like my head was hurting a lot. And me being very stubborn and dumb, I decided to ignore it. And while, while I was still in the crouch position, I couldn't get up. And I thought, that's really weird. Like, usually I'm able to get up. My left arm couldn't move. And my left leg wasn't working either. So I decided to, like, lay down on the floor and actually just fall asleep. Until, I guess, the next day was when I heard voices. My family was calling out to me. And my niece came in. She was six years old at the time. She came in my room. And I heard her saying, what's wrong with Kuku? That's my nickname for my nieces. So she called her mom and my sister ran out and she saw me on the floor. My sister is um, a nurse. 
So when she saw me, she was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you on the floor? I was able to respond to her. I was like, I'm stuck. I can't move. And I was kind of slurring at the time. And she said, oh, no, you had a stroke. At the time, I was like, I had a stroke. I didn't know what a stroke was in the beginning. So my sister said, we have to call 911. And I would say, I have to go urgent care. She's like, no, yeah, this is something serious. I was like, okay. I was like, do whatever you can, you know. So she called 911 and the, the EMTs came in to pick me up. I was actually still very aware of everything. Like I had my phone with me too. And I was texting my friends like, oh man, I'm going to the emergency. And one friend was joking like, oh, you're in the ambulance. I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, oh, that's pretty fast. I was like, no, this is serious. I wasn't aware of anything when I got to the emergency room I was I I guess I passed out in the ambulance I awoke a a few days later like it was January 23rd that I was sent to the hospital and then January 26th I woke up in a different hospital I wasn't like I was very confused with everything like waking up and like seeing that you're in the hospital and then I saw like I was touching my head to and the nurses came me screaming, no, don't touch your head. I was like, why? And I felt like there were sutures all over my head. So then a team came in to talk to me. He was like, he said, you had a stroke, a very deadly stroke. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, you had a hemorrhagic stroke. It's one of the deadliest strokes in America. That, And I somehow survived that. With the stitches I had, they had to open my, cut a piece of skull out of my head. To decompress the pressure and take out the blood and to take out the clot that was keeping me from waking up. My sister, since she's a nurse, she was also in the hospital with me since she works there. So she was talking to me, explaining with the with the neurology team about the stroke I had and that it was because of my blood pressure was too high. Nicolette began her recovery after life-saving surgery. So it was February when I finally woke up. Like I started becoming aware of everything. I was able to talk. I was able to remember a lot of things about my past, about my past life. I remembered people's faces, their voices, their personality. I was able to remember a lot of things. Like I didn't lose my memory. I didn't lose my speech. So during my recovery, they gave me speech therapy, physical therapy, and occupational therapy. There was a few roadblocks because I was touching my my stitches like too many times. Like it just felt weird that, you know, they had to buzz off all my hair and I couldn't understand like why did they did that. But then telling me like why, so I was like, oh, okay. So it was weird being bald. And then I think towards the end of February 2021, my face blew up. I had a bad infection and I was having like really horrible headaches. And my sister came in, she's like, what happened? I said, I told her, I don't feel good. She's like, yeah, I see that. Like your face is swollen. And then another nurse came in because she's the one that's taking care of me. She was saying, oh, it's just a migraine. But my sister said, no, it's not a migraine. So I had to go for another CAT scan. And they saw that I had an infection fluid in my head. Uh, that lasted for a month. Coming up on Stroke Stories, Nicolette on her infection, interrupting her recovery. I had to like stop therapy because it was really bad. The infection was affecting everything. I had to be in the bed for a while again. So they they had me do, they had me go on surgery for a lumbar dream where the needle or the catheter goes into the spine. 
to drain the fluid, the CS, it's called CSF draining. And, you know, I had that for a few weeks and they, they were just borrowing the, the liquid. They were waiting for it to get clear. I was also on antibiotics. And on her mobility. I'm able to walk, but I, I use a... I use a brace for my leg because my ankle tends to roll on its own. In PT term, it's called tone. It's like when the muscles are turning on its own without you actually controlling it. And I, I use a cane to walk around. My left arm is still very weak. I can move it very slightly, but I still don't have full control of it yet. But everyone says I'm doing really great. Let's hear how Nicolette progressed after leaving hospital. Going back home was, it went really well. It was good. Like I knew what to, I mean, I didn't really know what to do, but I was able to stand on my feet in March because of the aggressive therapy I was getting. So the infection was, I had to like stop therapy because it was really bad. The infection was affecting everything. I had to be in the bed for a while again. So they, they had me do, they had me go on surgery for a lumbar dreamer. The needle or the catheter goes into the spine to drain the fluid. The CS, it's called CSF draining. And, you know, I had that for a few weeks and they, they were just borrowing the, the liquid. They were waiting for it to get clear. I was also on antibiotics. So while that was draining, they saw the liquid was starting to get clearer, so which means it's getting better. So, but I was still producing a lot of liquid in my head. So then I was scheduled to get a VP shunt to drain it more. So I had to get surgery again, and I was like, oh, here we go again, another surgery for my head. That was March, March 5, they put, I was put into surgery room, and they put the shunt in, and I still have it till now. It still works. I don't plan on taking it out. It's still working because I still get headaches. So actually, after that shunt in March, I think a week later, I was able to move my left leg, and I was so happy. But it still wasn't like, a full control movement of my left leg. So the doctor said I had to I had to put weight on it in order to like to be able to lift the leg. I was like, okay, well, let's do it. I'm like, let's get me out of here and go straight to therapy again. So I was back to the therapy, what's well, called 3G rehab room. He put me back there and I was able to do continue my therapy again. Since there was like a limitation to the staying in the hospital, they had to like keep requesting approvals from the insurance. So the insurance kept approving for a few weeks and then later on it was like no more like Nicola can't stay there anymore. Like they had to find a facility for me to stay at. I couldn't go home because I wasn't fully ready to I wasn't prepared to go home yet. Until I was stable and able to stand. So I had a social worker help my family and I to find a place where I can be put into and like where I can be watched and do therapy at the same time. To help her recovery, Nicolette was sent to a nursing home. That time in the nursing home was terrible for me. Since, you know, I was the only young one. I was just 28, turning 29. It just felt really weird being in a nursing home. Like, like yes, everyone there had a stroke and that I'm included as well, but it's just so weird being around with, like, older people. I think that was the hardest one, like being in a nursing home was like, like I couldn't talk to anyone because they're not my age. So um, almost like every night I was crying there and the doctors were wondering why I kept crying. That they, they sent a psychiatrist to see me and 
from there she just diagnosed me as bipolar depression I was like what I was like are you sure she's like yeah you're bipolar and you have depression I was like well yeah because it's not easy having a stroke you know like you felt like your your life is ripped away from you I had to stay there for like I think three months until July yeah until July July I had to come back to the hospital to get my to put the skull back in my head the cranioplasty so I waited out until like July I, I did my I tried my best in that nursing home I was just talking to friends watching movies on Netflix listening to music music to music helped me the, the most and facetiming with my family helped me get by as well so when July came mm-hmm. I was going back to the hospital to get ready to, for the surgery and I was so happy because I I love my my therapist in the hospital they were so great to me so I went back and then I got my surgery I woke up and then my they readmitted me to the hospital to stay there until August August was when I got discharged to come back home I'm able to walk but I I knew the I use a brace for my leg because my ankle tends to roll on its own. In PT term, it's called tone. It's like when the muscles are turning on its own without you actually controlling it. And I, I use a cane to walk around. My left arm is still very weak. I can move it very slightly, but I still don't have full control of it yet. But everyone says I'm doing really great. Like the progress is very slow, that I know, and I hate that it's slow, but I just have to go with it and just work harder, continue my therapy, and don't stop. And Nicolette gives her advice. Just keep working hard in your therapy. Don't give up. I know it's hard. Uh, It's okay to cry. It's okay to be emotional. As for loved ones, like, you have to be very, very understanding, have compassion for the surviving loved ones because it's not easy. It's really not easy. It's really hard. Like when my stroke happened, it actually made me see and realize who the real people were in my life. I lost friends. I lost my loved one. I did not imagine someone to leave me behind because of this stroke thing. And it felt so horrible, like, how could you do that to someone? And for love was like, yeah, be patient with them, be understanding, understand their feelings, don't compare yourself to them because you don't know what's going inside their heads. Nicolette became seriously ill at such a young age after her stroke and underwent several life-changing procedures. She's now back home and making excellent progress in her recovery. Thanks for supporting us at Stroke Stories. Don't forget the archive that you can dip into at any time and please do subscribe and recommend Stroke Stories to your friends to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, we'd love to hear from you. Contact us via our DMs on Twitter or Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. 
The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.